something about Germany, why I made a curator's pick of the Hollywood French What's going on, people? Welcome to another great episode of TFR Podcast Live. That's hashtag TFR Podcast Live. Observations by Crazy D with my special guest host, my sister, Tanya M. Congress. Let's see. How you doing this morning? What's going on with you? Let's let it fly. I am doing as well as to be expected. That is our sub tagline seems to be every day. Um, but I'm happy to be here today. Anxious to get started with uh, disseminating more information for people to make informed decisions. And uh, I'm doing pretty good today. I had to run some errands this morning, take care of some things. But all in all, all good. How about you? How you doing this morning? Hey, as well as can be expected this morning under the circumstances, right? Listen, 213-943-3358. 213-943-3358. We're simulcasting right now on Periscope, Vimeo, FB, and there's still technical difficulty with you with YouTube, the Film Review Life channel, however, you get to see it in its full regalia and with the bells and whistles like we put up episode 30 of yesterday on YouTube, where you get to hear what it sounds like when it goes over to iHeart and Spotify and Apple Podcasts, right? You get to see us and hear it. Whereas on Spotify, you only get to hear us. Make sure that you go over to Spotify and subscribe to the film review. Hashtag TFR Podcast Live OB. Just go there, search it, and you'll be able to, to subscribe to us, right? I'm getting some feedback like I'm hearing myself coming from, I think it's coming through your end. Is everything turned down? On your side, I'm hearing. Yeah, this. yeah, it's only coming through my earphones. Okay. Yeah, it's only coming through my headphones. Okay, I just want to be sure. Okay, so we want to shout out to everyone that is in listening to us right now. Make sure that you smash the share button, the like button, because we have information that we are bringing again today. The chat line is open on FB. Vimeo, Periscope. Also, you can call in at 213-943-3358 to let your opinion be heard. Press one on your touch tone after you dial in and hear the information and the prompts. Press one on your touch tone and we will know that you want to speak and give a comment. Other than that, feel free to call in at 213-943-3358 and listen to the show via your phone. All right, people. So what's the topic for the day? The story of a Nancy. The story of a Nancy. The story of wisdom not heeded. 
The story of a Nancy. The story of wisdom not heeded. Smash the share button. Smash the like button. It's going on. It's going on. It's going to happen. It's a look at what happens when one stands on facts. The story of a Nancy. It is a look at what happens when one stands on facts to determine what is true indeed. A Nancy informs us as a griot, or yes, as a griot, or a griot, as a transformer of shape, what happens, what happens in the present is the past now, now is then to now the future, and what will we have learned from the wisdom spoken? What is reciprocity? What is reciprocity and why are some of us too busy in mind to believe in it? The story of a Nancy on hashtag TFR podcast live hashtag observations buckle up it's going to be a ride so let's get into this everything smash the share button smash the like button everything that we're getting into today what we're going to be talking about even the memes that we talk about today lead into what we're talking about right so let's start with some memes first all right so let's start with this one first let's start with Fannie Lou Hamer. Fannie Lou Hamer. Now, we've been talking about 1877 these last three days. 1877, you have to catch up, go back to episode 29 to get what 1877 is. But 1877 is the building block. Something happened in 1877. It was the building blocks to them trying to cause us demise, right? So this is very important that you know this. But here is a byproduct of trying to demise, put us in demise by reflection by Fannie Lou Hamer. I don't want you telling me to go back to Africa unless you go back where you come from. I got a note one day telling me to go back to Africa. And ever since that time, I've been three times a week. I say it when I am in a white audience. I say, well, make a deal. Any you send all the Koreans back to Korea, the Chinese back to China, the Japanese back to uh Uh, excuse me, the Jewish back to Jerusalem and you give the Indians, let me bring this up so that you can see it. Oh yeah, you see it, it's right there on the side. Because it's so small, wow. Uh, And you give the Indians back there, the land back and you get on the Mayflower from which you came. We all here on borrowed land. We have to figure out how we're going to make things right for all the people of this country. 
Fannie Lou Hamer. So this is, that is the, our demarcation point today, right? So let's look at some images. Let's look at some images that have been over the internet. Now, after the first the debate, because you know that the uh, vice presidential debate happens this evening, but after the, the, the debate with Trump and Biden, this meme came up, right? This meme came up. The next presidential debate moderator. I said two minutes, mofo, right? This is Samuel L. Jackson. He is a great actor, right? This is a, unfortunately for people who don't know, that is ha happens to be a stereotype or a, or what I call when we watch film, what we label as the, the angst of the whites are often put in the form of a black person. You have to watch films very closely. If there is something where they have been, you can take Starsky and Hutch. Starsky and Hutch were pretty much autonomous in what they did, you know, as a as a duo, as a as a as a uh, partner, as being partners. And whenever they wanted to show the angst of the white person, they would bring the loud, the the big black man who was the chief, and they would have him yelling at them, and that would be the angst. If you watch movies, whenever there's an angst in a Caucasian movie, it's usually a black person sent there to do that. So this right here, even though people were well-meaning in putting this, what you are buying into is that somehow there is a super Negro that can regulate Caucasians on what they do. And that is a movie trope and you have to shake your mind of it. 213-943-3358. Now, here's another image. All of these images come from exactly, everything that we're talking about comes from 1877, believe or not. Now this is an image of, originally when I saw this, they were talking about Mrs. Butterworth, right? And they were saying, they were asking was Mrs. Butterworth actually black because you know she was in the brown bottle and she had the long dress with the yellow cap and was Mrs. Butterworth black but since the pancake debacle since losing her pancake syrup contract Aunt Jemima's only fans page has been straight fire so this switch from being something that was what was under the dress of Mrs. Butterworth to now being used for Aunt Jemima pancakes, right? And as you see, it's fashioned in the form of a black woman. Those are stereotypes, right? That is another stereotype that comes straight from 1877. Now, trying to get to some resolution of what you should look at. Like I said, 
I look at black voices. I don't look at who they are affiliated with. I look at the information that they put across to the people, right? So in this image right here, obviously you can see that this is a more, but it's an interesting meme because it says, look at Christian black codes of 1724. Oh, we're taking you a little further back. Look at the Spanish Inquisition of 1478. Look up the secret treaty of Verona 1822. Look at the 14th Amendment collapse of 1868, which leads to 1877. And look how you're being enslaved and don't even know it. Let that sit there for it. Let that sit there for a minute. All these memes lead into what we're talking about today, right? Okay. Now this next meme, is a distraction to what we're talking about, but we're gonna go forward with it because in a way it still deals with what we're dealing with today. It says, Trump kills stimulus talks, tweets no deal until after I win election, right? Now all this is this whole fear of the Caucasian. This is that these are all tropes that are used against the people to be fearful, to get them to move, right? Which brings us to this meme, which I thought this was an interesting meme. And I said, yes, it is true. It is true. It is true. This is true. This is true. And it all, it's true depending on how you look at it. 213-943-3358. To be clear, not voting is not an option vote exactly because there are three ways to vote there is yay there is nay and there is abstain to abstain to say hey i am not going to vote for this and i am telling you i'm not going to vote for this because i'm okay have you noticed that when you go to the when you go to the polling places, when there's an issue on the ballot, they have yay, nay, and abstain. But they don't have yay, nay, and abstain. They don't say yes, no, and abstain from voting as a category for a candidate. And that's where they need to add that button. Other than that, we have to be, as American Blacks, boisterous about abstaining and why we abstain which then begins to be a percentage not a percentage of people who didn't vote but people who because of true conscience and true consciousness and true awareness said hey i'm not voting for either one because both have baggage and so we abstained and if you could get 60 percent of a block to say that they abstained because neither one was good for American blacks. That would be groundbreaking at this point. What you got to say before we move forward? Um, to me, abstaining is the only choice. Of course, you know, I would have people uh, ready to burn me at the stake or stone me to death old school 
uh, for hearing me say that. And I'm all right with that because, you know, my point has always been, and I maintain it, to keep doing something the same way over and over again and expecting change is insane. That is uh, known in psychological circles and psychology, psychiatry, that that is insane. So we're doing the same things. We've shown you for now we're on episode 31. So you had 60 complete hours and we've shown you uh, the intricacies of these two candidates and the people that follow them and what's going on. We have presented the case that year after year, so over the last couple of days, what we told you is the slaves were freed in 1865. By 1877, they was finding uh, ways to try to re-entangle us in slavery. And it would seem, as it were, that though we're not being beaten with chains and, and, and held together with chains and beaten with whips, we're taking psychological weapons. We're taking financial weapons. We're taking spiritual weapons. We're taking all kinds of weapons. And, and, and it's still slavery. We still don't have our reparations. And until one of those sides come up with a clear cut plan, well, Tanya, what about the platinum plan of President Trump? Great effort. I can tell uh, by the first five of the 10 point plan that he completed and the intricacies of the rest of the five of the 10 point plan outlined in the platinum plan that a lot of thought went into it. A lot of thought went into it. That's that's wonderful. I give kudos for that, but we're still going to need that money, though. We're still going to need those reparations given to us because this is why. And they added a reason why, um, even though it's not on Trump's side, the reason why. But they added a reason. One reason why in the first place is because it was just do us. We 95 percent of this country and its industry was built on our back. Yet 95% of this country and its industry's uh, uh, output from those efforts is going somewhere else besides us. So that's reparations. And that's number two. Reparations and the word reparations is repair. If you want to repair this breach, really, it's, um, it's a repairing of a wrong. Because it was never any togetherness to breach. But... It's a reparation for your wrongs and the position that you put a people in. That was a lot of unmitigated gall. It was a lot of bold nerve. It was out of order and it was not approved by God. I don't care how many slave masters tried to use the Bible to justify out of Romans chapter 13. It's not going, it's not going to fly. And it was misinterpreted scripture. Now, I'm not saying, you know, we're not going to get deep into the Bible, but it was misinterpreted scripture that was used to justify enslavement. All right. And now, number three, you have now Biden and his, his wonderful plan, his platinum plan for the immigrants. You know, you're going to bring them in here. You're going to give them free health care with no copay. You're going to give them subsidized housing in good neighborhoods in, in, in the burbs because I guess they're non-threatening. Uh, and you're going to give them a TIN number, you know, which is going to enable them to vote. 
because you know you slapping us in our face. You know at some time, uh, I'm hoping the majority of us are not going to vote. So what you're gonna, you're, you're safeguarding yourself by bringing these immigrants in here, giving them a way to vote so you can replace our vote. So it's not, it's, it's, it's immaterial to you. So that's number three. So when we look at the whole big picture and we look at by 1877, they were trying to keep us devalued in their mind. We were never devalued, but in their mind, they tried to say that we were mentally inferior. Now, how um, uh, um, ridiculous is that? You, you're calling us mentally inferior, but we're, we have all the trades and the skills that you don't have and you couldn't figure it out? Who's mentally inferior? You couldn't figure out how to lay a brick? I'm a woman. And I never laid a brick. And I would have known how to lay a brick. If nothing else, you're going to take some dirt and, 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 and some other stronger substance and make it into a clay and then to keep the brick stuck together. Now, that's my common sense. That's not even tapping into my extraordinary sense. And you calling us mentally inferior? See, what and you didn't know how to do any of the things we did. See, what was happening was they forgot to add straw. See, you have to add straw to make the... Anyway, that's another story for another time why the bricks was falling apart with the blacks and, and put this... But that's another story for another time. Listen, we want to shout out to Sean Thomas. He said, truth. And Tracy Latrice said, good morning. Good morning to both. Good morning to you, Tracy Latrice. Let's keep this moving, right? So now, next thing, make sure you smash the share button because we are bringing information and each one of these memes leads to us hitting the rubber to the road, which is the story of a Nancy, the story of wisdom not heeded. The story of a Nancy the story of wisdom not heeded. 213-943-3358. The chat is open on FB. Make sure that you uh, say what you need to say. We will read it over and put it over across the air for you. You know what I'm saying? As we keep this going or call in. 213-943-3358. Right? Okay. Next meme. Here's the interesting meme. You know, words, we, we told you before, we kind of hit on it just a little bit, but words are spells. Gospel is actually God's spell. So words are spells, right? So you have to redefine for yourself what it is, what you're talking about, what's being talked about. So. Clear language on slavery. I thought this this meme was one of the hottest memes that I had seen. Not because of salaciousness or just being all the way out there, but, but it gave redefinition and applying from our point of view, right? Because if you look at the Midwest, the Midwest was called the Midwest because they were over there in the 13 colonies and everything looked west. So they called it Midwest. So it stuck in the West. 
if it had started in the west, then they would have said, hey, that looks like mid-east. And then it would be east. You see? So stay with yeah. us here. It's all in perspective and where you're at and where you're standing and where you're looking from, right? Okay. Slaves, hostages, slave owners, human traffickers, love it. Slave catchers, police, you know, the paddy rollers, slave catchers, police, plantations, death camps, mistresses, rape victims. Let's say that again. Mistresses, rape victims, discipline, torture, murder, overseers, torturers, trading, kidnapping, profit, theft, middle passage, genocide. One more time. The middle passage. Genocide. Make genocide. a note. I thought that was one of the hottest memes that I had heard. Well thought out. Well, well thought out. Now, let's get to a little salaciousness and realize what we look at. Before I put this up, I would say viewer discretion is advised. Viewer discretion is advised. Now, listen, me, myself, I have no problem with nudity whatsoever no no uptightness like this but it can be the most artistic image in life but when you start to put numbers and you start to say who you got what would you choose this officially has become a slave auction mm-hmm this Absolutely. is what a slave auction looks like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Trading. What is that? Thieving. Thefting the breeders. Trading the breeders. This is what this is. So when people put images up, they don't really realize what they're not. This image had went up and said, this is a beautiful artistic piece. They all got on, they're all advertising K-Swiss or tree torns, or maybe those are Air Force Ones. They all got on white tennis shoes. Now I'm saying that is an artistic image. Nothing is showing. Shoot, you see that in a, in a bathing suit, so it's a birthday suit. And you say that's nothing wrong with that. But when you start to put numbers and you say who you got, that then becomes an auction, which becomes a auction of flesh, of skin, excuse me, because flesh is once it would be parted. So I'm gonna make sure I have the right terminology. A, 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 a sale of skin, which then leads into things because we, who knows how old these girls that they have up here who hopefully are all young women at least 19 and over when they took this image we will hope that that's what it is but it leads to this which leads to cuties and you know what happened to Netflix one of our favorite places to watch films especially during this 
COVID-19. They have been indicted for cuties. For what happened in cuties where there was some exposing of some girls that were underage in a video that the main protagonist was watching learning dance steps. Headed up and pushed by Ted Cruz from out of Texas, the Texas Grand Jury has indicted streaming giant Netflix on pedophilia in the, in the distribution of images of child pornography. You see, you have to understand that each thing that you do, like I said, there's nothing wrong with nudity, right? It's what you do with the nudity that tells you if you're moving into pedophilia, if you're moving into porno if you're moving into the trade of bodies for profit right mm-hmm. what you got to say to that before we go forward oh get ready to smash that share share that smash that share button smash that like button tag your people in this because we are headed on a buckle up ride the story of a nancy the story of wisdom not heeded. You know, um, Netflix should have been indicted on that. You mean to tell me there was no one within the framework of that organization that had any boundary to this whole thing? I'm talking about from the producer, the director, um, the person telling the story should have had some stroke of decency but see this needed to happen so that it put a barrier it put some kind of boundary in place because what they were going to keep doing what society is going to keep doing what the perverted are going to keep doing is they're going to keep pushing the envelope to see how far they can go if nothing comes up if this hadn't happened with netflix what was going to be the next level of child porn we already know we have child trafficking across the world which you know um, before said and done, I want to get into uh, some things about how that's been thwarted, uh, which is the reason why some a particular person is not liked very well. But um, this needed to happen. And I think it's good. I hadn't uh, heard about this because I hadn't been keeping up with Netflix. I hardly watch Netflix, so I didn't know. To see this, is uh, it brings it's pleasure to me to see it. Uh, it should have been that way. All right, which brings us to our next image. Which, what all of those previous images that we showed you are based on. They are based on the Piccaninny. That's right, the Piccaninny. Farina and almost Buckwheat from our game. <laughs> but the Piccaninny, Farina, and ingeniously recreated to deliver to American black people in Lovecraft Country, episode eight, were two P 
picaninnies that show you that that is a drain on the American black psyche, that it is damaging to the psyche, but instead they put it in a physical, spiritual, demonic form that attacks a little girl who is about self-determination and what she draws is about self-determination, but what she is constantly seeing are images of American black degradation, 1877. We're gonna talk about this more in depth because we're gonna break episode eight down this Sunday, September 11th, excuse me, September? October 11th. Oh boy, I'm trying to push us back. Wow, it was a collapse of the towers on this episode because seeing Topsy and Bopsy it was sending, well, we're going to talk about that on Sunday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern and 8.30 p.m., excuse me, 5.30 p.m. Pacific, 8.30 p.m. Eastern on the Film Review Life channel. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Vimeo, on FB, and on Periscope. We broadcast live. Hopefully we'll have the problem kinked out with you know, and we get the kink out of the problem with YouTube, so it would be, but other than that, it'll still be up on replay, right? But seeing Topsy and Bopsy, the demonic depiction of what has ailed us because of those who wanted to keep us in a certain framework for profit without letting us profit, they want us to be in non-profit and a lot of us fall into that and start non-profit. Got to see how this works, guys. Working is it's a game. <laughs> but these two represent. So Tanya, tell them who Topsy and Bopsy are spiritually and who they are in, every, in the aspect as uh, folklore, as pickaninnies. Um, when I watched that episode, I was looking at that and, and the young lady, the, the girl, the main character, um, she is very determined. She's very outspoken. She's very uh, in tune with things. She's like, she's beyond her years with a lot of things and how she expresses herself. So out pops if you guys have been following the series she had a spell put on her by one of the police officers because this show is about ancient magic uh coming through family lines and coming from no a spoilers, time no spoilers though no okay spoilers. okay we don't no. give them no spoilers let's just tell them who they are because they got to see okay. this episode they got to watch okay. one got to. seven to get to eight right yeah, you got to. The Lovecraft Country is a must-see series if you're not watching it. But anyway, Topsy and Bopsy. Now, Topsy was a character that came from the book Uncle Tom's Cabin um, by Harriet Beecher Stowe years, 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 years ago. But in this in this Lovecraft Country, they represented antagonists that the young lady had to face, the girl had to face, where they were 
they were trying to attack her and the way they were attacking her it 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 brought terror to look at them to see them brought terror to her that look at them they're tattered they're torn and then they had these movements that were very obviously it was dancers that play the characters but these movements and the sound effects that went with the movements were very demonic and something that you could see in live time real time and they represented a demonic presence to break the spirit of that girl to break the spirit if they could just break her if she saw that enough if you see abuse enough in different forms you could possibly lose your mind so that that was the the gist there is to get her to lose her mind now in the book um, uncle tom's cabin the character topsy was representative of uh d just said it that it was a it was a figurative reference but she enters into the storyline as filthy bruised and scarred you know she's dressed in tattered clothes and she's an example of what happens when human beings are treated as commodities commodities uh, her parents were no more than breeding stock so she was just an offspring she was the stock of their breeding she had been treated no better than a herd animal so she didn't have the polish she didn't have uh, what we would call the social norms at that time, certainly not in this time either. So she would probably, she probably couldn't read. She probably couldn't write. She probably had no feelings because she didn't know what love was. She had not been loved. There was no love. It was just abuse, mental abuse, physical abuse, psychological abuse, or any kind of abuse you can think of. Um, she had been a victim of it and she's wearing it. So when you see these two there, you see one is very light and one is very dark. And in the book, Uncle Tom's Cabin, there was a character, a little girl named Eva, who was white and she was the daughter. And uh, she liked to play with Topsy. In the book, she played with Topsy. So what this says is, here's a mirror image. You become what you created. That's my interpretation on it. You, if you don't answer to it, if you don't rectify it, if you don't repair, if you don't repair, if you don't uh, uh, issue reparations to the former, you will turn into what you made. You will turn into, you will become what you created. And so that's my interpretation on that. You know, you'll become what you created. But to go into it more, you have to watch the series. And if you haven't read the book, Uncle Tom's Cabin, if it wasn't required reading in your English classes coming along, you need to read that. Yes, 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 yes. Smash the share button because we are bringing you information. Smash the share button. Smash the like button. Smash Tag all your people in it because we are bringing the rubber is getting ready to hit the road. We're already in the first 30 minutes, 40 minutes of this have already brought you invaluable information, we believe, 
on hashtag TFR Podcast Live OB. We come on Monday through Friday, 9.30 a.m. Pacific, 12.30 p.m. Eastern. Lock it in. Lock in the time. Make sure you come on and watch us. Share it. Lock it in. Lock in the time. Tag your people. Like, 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 like. Share, 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 share. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the Film Review Movies, Music, Culture, Politics, Society page on FB. Go to Crazon Dion. Say like. Go to follow. Go to Matanya M. Congress. Say follow. Friend. That's what it is, friend, because we want to be in contact with you so you will know when we come on and we can exchange ideas with you. So this next one, we're getting ready to hit the rubber to the road. A little reciprocity, a little reciprocity goes a long way. A little reciprocity goes a long way. Okay, people. So people say, well, what is reciprocity? What is reciprocity? What is it? What could it be? What could it be? It is now time for definition and and we have another video presentation cut up by yours truly. But it is now time for definition Definition time. So what is reciprocity? We're going to go and start with the story of uh, Nancy, which brings us into reciprocity. So, okay, let's go. So get ready. Uh, get ready to copy this down uh, the best you can. You can come back and freeze frame later. A Nancy is a a con folk tale character. We often, he often takes the shape of a spider and is sometimes considered to be a god of all knowledge of stories. A Nancy takes the shape of a spider and is sometimes thought of as the god of all knowledge of stories. Taking the role of trickster, he is also one of the most important characters of West Africa, American Black, and Caribbean Caribbean folklore. Some people say Caribbean, we say Caribbean. Okay, people. Uh, a Nancy from a con means spider. A Nancy. The spider raises philosophical questions about the nature of reciprocity and its relationship to fairness. A Nancy, the spider raises philosophical questions about the nature of reciprocity and its relationship to fairness. A Nancy, the spider, move it over so I can see it, is an American, uh, excuse me, an African folktale character who is associated with skill and wisdom and often triumphs over foes larger than he. 
He is known for skill and wisdom and overcomes foils bigger, larger than he. Right? Let's bring this one up. Come on, bring the next one up. Yeah, a little slow on the uptake. There we go. All right. Now, reciprocity, which brings us to reciprocity. What is reciprocity? Reciprocity, the practice of exchanging things with others for mutual benefit, especially privileges granted by one country or organization to another. You know, we have to talk about reciprocity in another way, quid pro quo, when you, you say this is what we want for the vote because you've done this for us, we're going to vote for you because you've done this for us. But there's more to reciprocity than just doing. It goes two ways. It's yin and yang on this thing. Now listen. Secondary. In social psychology, it is a social norm of responding to a positive action with another positive action rewarding kind actions, right? Third, as a social contract, it means in response to friendly actions, people are frequently much nicer and much more cooperative than predicted by self-interest model. On the converse, however, conversely, in response to hostile actions, people are frequently much more nasty and even brutal, right? So mm. when you wow. don't do something nice, you don't expect to have constantly things, nice things being done for you. Which brings us to the law of reciprocity, right? The law of reciprocity, right? So I'll bring this a little bigger so that you can read it at home. All right, here we go. There, there's what we're looking for. All right. The law of reciprocity says when someone does something nice for you, you will have a deep rooted psychological urge to do something nice in return. As a matter of fact, you may even reciprocate with a posture far more general, uh, uh, gen, oh my God, my Generous. tongue is just, gen, gen, oh man, my tongue is flipping on me today. Then <laughs> they originally did for you, right? Then the original good deed that was done to you. Right? A Nancy spider in the myths of many West African peoples was a trickster. He began his career as a creator god, spinning the entire world at the request of the great sky spirit and was a shape changer. He is a Orisha an agent of God Almighty. Oluwadumare. 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 That's right. 
Ola Dumare. Now look, that is the story of a Nancy, right? Well, let's look at a Nancy because we have a video presentation. Smash the share button. Smash the like button. I tell you, we, we have these things and, and we prepare these things. Now remember, everything that we've been talking about up to this point has been about what? 1877 and how there was a cruel trick played on American black people and all they wanted was the fair shake and after all the amendments that came to this. So let's go through this. This is Smash the share button. Smash the share button. Smash the like button. Tag your people in it because we are hitting the rubber to the road right now, right? He is the servant, not a servant, but he is a, a God that spun the earth for the almighty. O Lord do Mari. Right? So let's get into it right now. Here we go. Are we not? Now, Nancy, she is one of us. A survivor. You old as dirt, Bird B. Why the fuck you didn't ride the carousel? I choose peace. <laughs> Egyptians told tales of the sacred book of Todd which contains the secrets of the gods. One minute. This scene from American Gods, I'm gonna tell you my opinion, American Gods has just turned trash and, and no need to even watch season three because they're gonna have them dudes cooning and buffooning and doing everything else because the person who played the part of O'Nancy, Mr. Nancy, Orlando Jones was writing all of the parts. We're going to get to that. We're writing all of the parts for all the black characters because the white writers weren't writing. At least that's what he says happened and there is legal action happening over it. But we're going to get to that. The first two seasons, when you first meet Mr. Nancy or a Nancy, a Nancy, the spider, the shapeshifter, shape changer, excuse me. When you first meet him, it is a powerful scene. And this scene right here, tying in what we do here on the show, the past to the present, to know where you're going you have to know where you've been. And so the tie-in and the words that he puts down as Mr. Nancy, a Nancy, smash the share button, are powerful indeed. And what he says is true indeed. And you see, these are, as the scene sets up, there are three black gods. It's the only show where I've ever seen black gods and they are three black gods in the room one works at a mortuary a crematorium right the next is a 
female god that swallows up her victims through her vajayjay. That's right, people. She gets with the lustful Caucasians and they are her meal. And lastly is Anansi, which we have given you his backstory. The story of Anansi, the story of wisdom not heeded. And here it is, let's continue on with it. Smash the share button, smash the like button. Tag your people in this. Rewind it, play it later, because we are bringing definition tonight that will help you along the way to most possibly live. And brings misery, pain, and suffering to anyone who reads it. And grants a bird's eye view to he who writes it. I am old as dirt, and I have seen things as you have. Why do you bring this rage to my doorstep? You ever notice how traveling makes your mind roll thunder? Like a train moving down the track. Except you don't know where the fuck that mind train is headed. And then all of a sudden, plop, an idea shits in your head. And you think that shit smells good. Peace is a beautiful but shitty idea. Only a goddess can adorn the sarcophagus of a god. So help me understand what these new gods give it. And what they take it away. Your thirst does not inspire our confidence, only our curiosity. <laughs> I am not a god in the sense that I can tolerate exploitation, oppression, and repression. My worshipers know freedom ain't free. They know the most potent weapon of control for the oppressor is the mind of the oppressed. They know slavery is not a condition. Slavery is a cult. Human trafficking is a cult. Slavery gotta rebrand like motherfucking the alt-right and snatched. Another one gone. Every 30 seconds, another chocolate brown, caramel, yellow, high yellow, red bone refugee girl with melanin in her skin gets snatched. Every 30 seconds. You got to see season one and season two because to mm -hmm. see black gods on screen hatching this type of information and moving to be those that are proactive for American black people is a liberation on film compared to watching good times and seeing white Jesus on the wall and Florida thinking that white Jesus was it and as soon as they put white Jesus back up all of the blessings that they had went back down the tubulars after they took down JJ's black Jesus okay so seeing black gods 
on a mission to be proactive to make sure that the black protagonist, first of all, it's a black protagonist in it, and I'm sure in season three, they're going to have him just doing all kinds of, you know, because Orlando Jones was writing, I had to read through the lines of what Orlando Jones was saying. He was writing him and he kept him balanced because originally they had him, the way they characterized him, I could tell because he, he has a Caucasian girlfriend that he was a bed bug, okay? If you don't know what that is, you got to catch up, got to catch up. We're not going to go into those <laughs> definitions. You got to go listen to someone else to get those definitions, right? You have to listen to another show to uh, listen to those definitions. But this is how they did him. But this man right here, Orlando Jones, the one that is speaking his own words because they could not write, oh, Nancy. They could not mm -hmm. write Mr. Nancy. Delivering these words. And someone with the mind state of 1877, you got to go back to episode 29 to find out what that's about. Episode 29, episode 30. Someone who had the mind state of 1877 said, oh no, how could this person be doing this? And there's an old adage that the old timers used to say, the more seasoned in the game, say, there are certain types of racists that your money is not green and the money they will make from being in association with you is not green enough for them to do it. Mm. Let's continue on. And to make matters worse, these dazzling new plantation owners built a pipeline to take our children from school to prison quicker than a cut can bleed. And the lucky ones go from school to the NFL. Well, they don't even let them niggas take a knee. They've been programmed from birth with shitty food options, contaminated drinking water, gun violence, police brutality, and trauma after trauma after trauma. PTSD, no therapy. Missing, no Amber Alert. Alone. them. I hear each voice, and I write each name. We have lived long enough to know these troubles are timeless. Suffering is not sacred. And moral law is final. Sooner or later, they all lay before me. What's up there? So you see that Orlando Jones is writing the, the various types of American black thought on the situation. And I can even say the black diaspora, if you want to say the African diaspora or diaspora, he's writing that and showing you within three, three of the black gods, one is pacifist, one wants to get it in and the other and the one that wants to get it in wants the woman the hinge pin to it all to say 
Let's get it on and popping. Call the war. Let's get it on and popping. Let's correct this. And he's writing this. And these are the, you have to, like I said, they hide it in entertainment. And you have to be able to break it down. It's not yeah. only just a good yeah. speech. It is telling you something psychological. It's telling you something about reciprocation. Because reciprocation is a two-way street. And how right. whatever you do is what you're going to expect to get back. Reciprocated to you. And what the why the story of a Nancy, the story of wisdom not heeded. What you put out is what you would expect back. Back. And he is here trying to say it is time for us as American black. This woman can swallow people up whole through their lust. The other prepares bodies or would you say the angels of goodness and mercy and they can he can decay your body and he is the master of stories and able to weave stories to bring about the change that would be necessary to put American blacks on top. The Anansi story, the story of wisdom not heeded. Let's continue on. War need not be the answer. My queen, the world assumes white people are naturally good. So when something bad happens, it's a good person doing a bad thing. They assume black people are naturally bad. So when something good happens, it's only a matter of time before that animal's true nature rears its ugly head. What did what? What do we say about defiance and deviance? Defiance and deviance. Orlando Jones has, has studied and he put it in this, in this framework. We're bringing it to you straight on because it's an urgency and it's got to get out there. But when you watch and you listen, it's there. It's great phraseology without trickatis. Or wait, a Nancy is a trickster. And how did they get past? How did he get past uh, putting the information out there without having to put it out there straight and having people to stop it? Because this is one of the number one scenes and the number one scenes that the disingenuous people in my in my opinion over there at the American Gods production uses to get people to buy subscriptions and brother I mean and Mr. Nancy a uh, Nancy will not be in season three which means that maybe many of those black gods will not be in season three either because who was writing for them? And if they are being written for, who is writing their viewpoint? 
And what are they going to be doing? How are they going to be acting? Topsy and Bopsy? You see how all this ties together? You see how all this ties together? Do you see how all this ties together? What you got to say before we move forward? You know, I believe that's where we get our term, uh, the old term topsy-turvy, when stuff is all out of order and all upside down, flipped all around, topsy-turvy, all over the place. That that just came to mind. That that's, uh, that's probably where that came from. It came from that right there. But these, it, what's funny and what, not funny, but what's clever and ingenious about shows such as this, that speaking to us is that it is a counterattack of um, what is known as we, we've known over the years that entertainment has been a source of communication. And for years, we have been brainwashed through the vehicle of, of, of entertainment, through the vehicle of television, tell a vision through the, the vehicle of the telling of other people's vision going into our psyche. And, and if we don't have a guarded spirit, it goes into our spirit and we begin to manifest or not manifest, not manifest what we should and manifest what we shouldn't. So here we are, here's the counterattack using the same vehicle that brainwashed us in times past, brainwashed us as a people to educate us as a people. And that right there is absolutely genius. And there are more and more shows that are on, that are coming, like the one you introduced me to yesterday. It's just things being spoken that you, that, that speaks to your spirit, your, for some people, they say third eye, I say spirit. So it speaks to my spirit concerning certain things or it confirms what I already have in my spirit. It's confirmation. So I think that that's ingenious and I know that that is a working of God. How much longer can we afford to wait? You keep track of days numbering the years for scribes that record human history. Do you see progress? I count one, two, three African gods in this room. And two of them want to exercise for restraint? And let the donkey work continue while you live your best life. War is upon us. An old white lady is dead. Wednesday avenges Zoriah Virtua But if it was a dead black lady, like this sweet old son. Turn a bog's hammer. But not swing. Your words move me, Nancy. You see me. You and I will see the goddess. The queen. These men today look right through. country has done things to us. We have done things to us. 
So what do you propose? I propose we have a drink. There it is. There's the break. There it is. Always someone breaking in just when there's going to be progress. Oh, excuse me. I think that we all should have a drink. Just when the answer came and the one that was strong said, well, let's do this because he knew that you have to call upon the woman to move forward. All right? And right there, there's a distraction. There's a break. There's an in-between. There's a break in between thought process to move forward as a unit to get something done. There's a person that is in that abstains. Right? So let's continue. Uh, funny how we can abstain with each other, but we can't abstain when it comes to something that would be uh, right. good for us. Right. We're going to abstain right, against right. each other, abstain against each other, but we can't right. abstain against something so that we can have a better outcome for the whole. That's interesting. A mm -hmm. uh, Nancy, the story of a Nancy, the story of wisdom not heeded. Now, this next scene is where you're first introduced to a Nancy as a character. And we're going to play this one straight through. Because this doesn't need any interruption. And this is where he is first introduced to the audience who is watching American Gods. American Gods 1 and 2 season, yes. 3, not so much because there's going to be some both. And some praising of white Jesus, I'm sure. So I'm going to tell I'm just going to tell you that, you know, no, 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 no. So let's get to this. So this is where we first are introduced to a Nancy, the spider. Oh, she long dead. <laughs> she wouldn't give it up for Hannes up there, so he threw her off the boat. Did you know your mama couldn't swim? You all need to work on that. Take swimming lessons. This is how we get stereotypes. Anansi. <laughs> you won't help? Fine. Let me tell you a story. Once upon a time, a man got fucked. Now, how is that for a story? Because that's the story of black people in America. <laughs> Shit. You all don't know you black yet. You think you just people. Let me be the first to tell you that you are all black. 
The moment these Dutch motherfuckers set foot here and decided they white and you get to be black and that's the nice name they call you, let me paint a picture of what's waiting for you on the shore. You arrive in America, land of opportunity, milk and honey, and guess what? You all get to be slaves, split up, sold off, and worked to death. The lucky ones get Sunday off to sleep and fuck and make more slaves and all for what? For cotton, indigo, for a fucking purple shirt. The only good news is the tobacco your grandkids are gonna farm for free. It's gonna give a shitload of these white motherfuckers cancer. And I ain't even started yet. A hundred years later, you're fucked. A hundred years after that, fucked. A hundred years after you get free, you still getting fucked out of job and shot at by police. You see what I'm saying? This guy gets it. I like him. He's getting angry. Angry is good. Angry gets shit done. You shed tears for Kumbi Lanze. And here he is telling you. You are staring down the barrel of 300 years of subjugation, racist bullshit, and heart disease. He is telling you there is one goddamn reason you shouldn't go up there right now and slit the throats of every last one of these Dutch motherfuckers and set fire to this ship. You are already dead, asshole. At least die a sacrifice for something worthwhile. Let the motherfucker burn. Let it all burn. Okay, okay, okay. So... There you go. There was the dissenting voice. Have you ever seen Amistad? You have to see Amistad because there is a dissenting voice. And right there he said, but the boat will catch on fire and we're on the ship. The ship will catch on fire. We're on the ship. He said, you are already dead. You might as well go out for something. The story of a Nancy, the story of wisdom not heeded. 
What would have happened if more of that had happened? It wouldn't have been a slave trade at all. They would say these people are too unruly for us to do. We're losing more that we have to pay out the insurance companies that aren't insuring us because just like when you get into car accidents, they don't want to insure you. Right. And now insurance companies don't want to insure you now if you got pre-existing conditions. Conditions. <laughs> right. That the pre-existing conditions came from 1619 forward. And then getting the injustice and all the ignorance slapped in your face since 1877. If you don't know what 1877 is, go back to episode 29 and 30. And then you will be able to catch up to that and be up to this point. The story of a Nancy, the story of wisdom not heeded. Now, this is an interview of Orlando Jones, and he breaks this down. So we're going to go through and break in every now and then to put some viewpoints in. But we're going to roll this, right? So smash the share button because it's very important that you get the understanding, the middle standing, the overstanding of a mind who is focused, right? Here we go. Powerful. You know, I want to talk about American Gods now and Mr. Nancy in particular. When I first, well, it was about last year, last December, when everything started going down and I heard what you said about the American Gods uh, series that I actually got introduced to it and started watching it and got acquainted with this guy named, this God, should I say, named Mr. Ooh. Nancy. And the shit blew me away. The fact that they had this kind of character who kind of reminded me of Clarence William III off of uh, Tales from the Hood. Like, he gave me them kind of chills, them kind of vibes. Mm -hmm. but the, the, the knowledge and stuff that they was kicking I'm like how is this dude even on TV <laughs> this is crazy <laughs> yeah and you wrote a lot of those roles can you just give, give, give us a little bit of perspective into how Mr. Nancy came to life so I grew up with a Nancy right my, my grandma used to read me uh, stories of the tricky spider mm. and uh, that's kind of how I, I learned and knew about the character so I really wanted this role and um I was in Africa at the time, uh, in South Africa, and uh, I was working on a show called Madiba with Lawrence Fishburne. I was playing Oliver Tambo. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, Oliver Tambo is the real architect of dismantling apartheid. His best friend, Nelson Mandela, was in jail. He was in London organizing the UN and, frankly, smuggling money into South Africa and getting the Russians to give him arms so he could, frankly, rise up and defeat this racist system. So I always wanted to play that role. And then suddenly Mr. Nancy popped up and I was on social media sending messages to Neil Gaiman like, yo, <laughs> mm -hmm. Mr. Nancy, how at your boy. Mm -hmm. And uh, he retweeted it and I was like, wow. And then I got a phone call from the, the show creators, Brian Fuller and Michael Green. And they didn't know nothing about that stuff on Twitter. Uh, they just knew my work as an actor and invited me into the process. And um, they wrote the slave ship speech and really just kind of handed it to me and said they weren't even on set when I shot it. They were like, all you do your thing. So for me, playing a black God is so different than what we often get to see because we we get portrayed as victims. It's always the story of us defined through how we were oppressed. Um, and I wanted to tell the story of Nancy, a god who is not a black man, but somebody who doesn't uh, see the world through the same eyes 
uh, as other people do. And um, the interesting thing about Anansi, search him is he's he's the god for the Ashanti people of Ghana, and the Ashanti people of West Africa and in Ghana are a matriarchy. So they don't believe that women, uh, that men can rule. Only women can rule. And it was shocking and empowering. It was just powerful to read about the way they saw the relationship between men and women. And I really wanted that to be a part of a Nazi. And that's what inspired the funeral home scene. Am I writing all those things snatched and talking about child trafficking and the pipeline and the brainwashing that is a part of our system. So I really just wanted to bring that character to life in a way that no one had ever seen before. I wanted there to be an unapologetically angry an unapologetically black uh, character that did not care at all what a white God thought about anything. <laughs> he and I, I knew that that was going to be controversial because no one had ever done that before. And I imagined it was going to be a problem. Honestly, I didn't think they were ever going to air that snatch scene when I when we wrote it and we shot it. I thought they were going to find a way to cut it out, and they tried. Uh, but fortunately, I was surrounded by a lot of people um, on the executive producer side. I had a lot of support from Ian McShane. He was definitely uh, in my corner, and frankly, it was the core of people around me that that really helped me get that done. And and wound up being a producer and writer on that show. And then, of course, you know, got fired later on because. The showrunner was uncomfortable with uh, uh, what I was doing. And uh, I thought that was funny since he got his job based on the work that I did. Mm. Um, and I thought it was even funnier when people always talk about how money is a driving factor. Oh, you know, black doesn't sell. Well, in this case, nobody, black, white, Latino, gay, straight, no matter what you were, everybody loved Mr. Nancy. Mm. Firing Mr. Nancy didn't make Fremantle and Stars more money. It only cost them money. I thought it was strange that these people would make those decisions that weren't beneficial to their shareholders. You made your shareholders less money. You have a fiduciary responsibility to your shareholders to put money in their pockets. But with your own personal point of view, your own personal racism that charged you with the power to fire me, even though it wasn't in your right business interest. It didn't make good business sense. But we don't like to talk about those issues because we like to paint a, a brush with it and say, oh, I, he must have been a pain in the butt. He he must have been causing problems. Uh, no, no problems. And if I had done that, they would have said something earlier. That was just plain and simple racism. And it was the system of racism because people thought I had too much power as a writer on that show and too much power as a character on that show. But I'm proud of what I did. And uh, I fought for it to be there. I'm glad I got it done. And uh, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't do it differently. I wouldn't change it if I had to because I think uh the work speaks for itself. And for me to hear somebody like you go, yo, <laughs> that that's what I wanted, because that's what it was like when I first heard Public Enemy. Yeah. I was like, what? I what? I mean, it when I first read James Baldwin, but I didn't see that in mainstream. And when I was doing comedy, it was really hard because all they, I remember when I first finished Drumline, the reviewer in the New York Post was like Orlando Jones, who usually plays a buffoon. And mm. I was like, oh, that's interesting. So mm. Ben Stiller, Vince Vaughn, they do comedy. Jim Carrey, they do crazy characters. They do comedy. Oh, they funny. 
But if I do it, I'm a buffoon. Hey, I didn't see no buffooning. This is what we're dealing with. And I stopped doing comedy, to be honest with you. I had done a comedy in 12 years because of that. Because I was like, if that's what it is, then I'd rather not do it. Even though it's certainly easy for me to do. And I, I stopped doing comedy because I was like, I need to lay down a legacy that is legit. Um, because I don't want my children, my family, but mostly my people to, to, to look at, you know, what my contribution artistically has been. Uh, to this community and think of it like, oh, Orlando Jones was just buffooning. So I was like, I can do without comedy and I'll I'll be a dramatic actor. And, you know, plenty of people told me that was a mistake. And uh, how you going to be a dramatic actor? You can't do that. And I was like, I can show you better than I can tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I was reading an article and it said at one point you were uh, pondering legal action against the show's producers. Did you ever um, follow through with that? We're in legal action now. Uh, I'm actually really happy that... Uh, my sister Gabrielle settled uh, her case. I think that announced today. So I'm super happy for Gabrielle Union. Gabrielle Union has a, it definitely got a win for once. Okay. As you guys know, she was suing NBC that stands for nigga be careful. And you know, anytime a black person come after NBC, they really don't turn out well. Shout out to Nick Cannon, all the bases lost, lost out of his voice. Shout out to Bill Cosby, you know, went from living good to well being in prison, you know, but he preaching in prison and Bill Cosby. Okay. You know, Bill Cosby only got one out at work and probably got about five years of life left but bill cosby didn't say shit y'all should have got me about 60 years ago when i was scoring them little white girls at the grotto at the playboy it's too late you know at that point you know when the, when the people get that old they just be ready for heaven or hell but anyway um gabrielle union sued nbc <laughs> for wrongful termination harassment and racial discrimination they was racist against asians over there they was smoking a whole bunch of cigarettes over there but most importantly she got a lot of hate because of her hair because the white folk didn't realize how she could come in with braids one day, a ponytail the next day, lace front one day, curly the next day, crinkly. They just didn't understand how we work, and I'm here to say Wonder Bread. That's my homie. Uh, we go back, but uh, yeah, uh, uh, we've been in, in in a law battle with them since that happened, uh, with the full support of Screen Actors Guild. So uh, I'm still in my legal battle with them now. So uh, we'll see when it resolves. Uh, but uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I thought it was important for those coming behind me to take legal action. I don't think uh, anybody should have to walk into the circumstances I walked into. At the end of the day, I was contracted to be an, an actor on season two. And when I showed up, my character wasn't written. It was Neil Gaiman who asked me to write a character Bible and told me that they hadn't done anything for my character. And I had been on hiatus for 20 months. So for 20 months, they didn't pay me, but they sat on my rights and they took me out of work. And then when I showed up to work, they hadn't written my character and then they asked me to do it. And then when I did it, they didn't want to pay me. And then when they asked me to write Shadow Moon and Bilquist and Ebus and some Laura Moon and some Mad Sweeney and some Sam Blackcrow and Salim and the Jinn, I'm wow. writing all these characters. They didn't want to pay me. Wow. Uh oh, I misspoke. He wrote many of the amazing characters too. Wow. Shadow Moon is the black protagonist. His wife is the Caucasian Mm -hmm. love. Then he was Mm -hmm. writing the Irish God. And he was writing all of the black God. Wow. So you see what's going on. So, so. Pay attention. Remember, 
when people become it's a through line and we have to start to pick up our through line and look at the reason why we are successful people is because we are still here and multiplying if we could get rid of that margaret singer out of our head and that planned parenthood out of our head and set up structure where every child born will be in a place that is protected right we could really be running something right because what we write our signal goes across the globe because they have no choice because what happens what did we say before they don't do anything they didn't build anything entertainment was built off of inner of emulating american blacks we are everything and this is just another example of what we've been talking about. So why we are successful? Because we're still here. All we gotta do is get control of it. And that takes getting off the hamster wheel out of the mind set and getting into the mind state. Here we go. And then it was really Writers Guild that said, he's a tenured Writers Guild member. He's been in the guild for over 25 years. Here's how you have to pay him. And they still paid me 15 cents on the dollar. And I had to accept that because that's what happens when you have a retroactive contract. So I accepted that. I did all the work. Then I did all the press to season two. Season two launches to the biggest numbers that show had ever seen. They pick up the show for season three. They tell me I'm going to be on the show in season three. I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to be a producer. They sit on my rights again for another nine months. And then 10 days before I'm supposed to go to work, I get a call from the people that I don't even work for, which is stars. And I work for Fremantle telling me I'm fired. So for me, they took me out of work and sat on my rights for 34 months where they did not pay me and did not allow me to work and were holding me like a slave. And the craziest part was when they fired me in September, they wouldn't give me a release from my contract. So I waited October. Guys, send me the release so I can go to work. Yeah. November. Guys, send me the release so I can go to work. Then the scene from the funeral parlor goes viral. And everybody's talking about it. And they're tweeting it. And they're sharing it. And people are sending me messages going, yo, I got to check out Mr. Nancy. I, I didn't know about this show. I slept on it. December. It's now three and a half months later. I still can't get a release to go to work. And that's when I dropped that message on December 14th. But think about that. September, October, November, December. I waited four months. They wouldn't send me a release. And I had to come out and tell people that I wasn't on the show because they were still selling subscriptions on my name and likeness and on my work. And the crazy part is they just released a trailer for season three and they're teasing season two and they got my face in it again. So they are still selling subscriptions. <laughs> off of my name and likeness, but they didn't pay me. They refused to pay my contract even though they were in breach. So I look at those things and say, your children and my children should not have to walk into a, a situation with Fremantle or Stars or NBC or any company and have them refuse to pay you for your work, profit off of your work, and then not give you the proper release you need so you can go do other work. 
That's penage. That's black code. In 1865 and early 1866, these new governments in the South, all white governments created by Andrew Johnson, you know, kind of have to deal with the situation of the former slaves. What is their status going to be? What rights are they going to have? And so they pass these laws to regulate the conditions of the former slaves. So the black codes are really an attempt to use the power of the government to get the plantation system going again. Not as slave labor, that's gone, but as forced labor, where blacks would be paid some minimal wage, but they would have no alternative but to go to work for white employers. They don't go into effect. In fact, in early 1866, Congress passes the Civil Rights Law, which actually says that all laws must apply equally to all citizens. And that abrogates all these black codes, because they're only for blacks. But they're important as a sign of what the white South has in mind for blacks, unless the federal government comes in and protects them. Now, they give them some rights. They're no longer slaves. They can't be bought and sold. Their marriages are now going to be legally recognized as they weren't under slavery. They can own property in some states. Actually, Mississippi barred them from owning land. But that's it. They had no right to vote. They had no right to serve on juries. They had no right to testify in court in cases involving white people. They could not own guns the way white people could. And most importantly, they had to go to work for white people. They had to sign year-long labor contracts with a white employer. Otherwise, they would be called vagrants, arrested, fined. And if they couldn't pay the fine, they'd be auctioned off to some white person who could pay the fine. So in other words, a black guy with land working for himself, that's illegal. You've got to work for a white employer. He'd be arrested as a vagrant and sold to a white employer, basically. Let's, let's, let's pause right there for a second. Let's go to this definition. Let me bring this up closer so that everybody can see it. This is... Uh, this is some heavy, heavy, heavy stuff. Hello, Dumari, Yoruba, also known as Aloran Almighty, is the name given to one of the three manifestations of the Supreme God or Supreme Being. Alodomari's name comes from the world, the, the words. Adu, Mari, and Anu, which translates as the owner of the source of creation in the Yoruba pantheon. Now, black codes were restrictions. Let me make it bigger so I can see it. Were restrictions, restrict, restrictive laws designed to limit the freedom of American blacks and ensure their availability as cheap labor force after slavery was abolished during the Civil War. Through the Though the Union victory had given some four million slaves their freedom, the question of free black status in the post-South was still very much unresolved. Under black codes, many states required blacks to sign yearly labor contracts. If they refused, they risked being arrested, fined, 
and forced into unpaid labor. Okay. So does that sound familiar, people? Does that sound like when, when they came out with that book, The $40 Million Slave, does that not sound like the way the NFL works? It's kind of like working. It's not slavery, but it's the new system that came into play in 1877 they had to put in and they had to say that you were inferior so that they could say that look you are vagrant if you're working your own land you have your own business and thus and so some black people have that same mindset that same mentality that people working their own businesses aren't as good as working for the man you've been brainwashed You've been bamboozled. Have you seen that movie, Bamboozled? You should see it. Spike Lee's Bamboozled. Great movie. You have been bamboozled. You have been hoodwinked. You have been... Watch X. He's telling you. This puts everything that Malcolm X through the embodiment, through uh, through uh, that great actor. I'm losing his name right now because I'm on a roll. Denzel Washington. It's telling you why you've been bamboozled. You might have heard it say, oh, that was a great speech. Oh, that was empowering. But I never went any further to figure out what was happening. That, this is what was happening to you. Peniage, also called debt slavery or debt servitude, is a system where an employer compels a worker to pay off a debt with work. Legally, Peniage was outlawed by Congress in 1867. What's happening 10 years later in 1877? The states are finding a way to override the federal government. So when you're talking about being an organization, when you're talking about states' rights, this is why they are fooling you. Because states' rights was about making sure that you stayed in bondage. Peon usually refers to a person subject to peonage, any form of unfree or wage labor in which a laborer has little control over employment conditions. Peonage, form of involuntary servitude, the origins of which have been traced as far back as the Spanish conquest of Mexico. 1521 to 1821. What was happening in the 1800s again in here in America? That was happening 300 years. They were basically messing with the so-called Indians when the conquerors, the conquistadors, were able to force the quote-unquote Indians to work for Spanish planters and mine operators. So you see what's going on, people. This is a European thing. This is a European thing over here in America. And look at the dates and look at what's all happening all at once that leads up to today. This is modern history. This is now. Let's continue. The story of Mr. Nancy, the story of wisdom, not heed. They couldn't go to work for themselves. They couldn't follow a trade, something like that. That's why Mississippi barred them from even owning land, so that they had no alternative but to work for white planters. 
So the black codes are a very, very restrictive idea of what freedom really would mean for these former slaves. That ain't nothing but legalized slavery. And so for me, I had to fight that battle. I, I couldn't I couldn't let that go. You know, when That's you see right. a character like Mr. Nancy and then you see like Mr. Nancy, you see Orlando Jones get fired and then you outspoken about it. Usually that's a death sentence in Hollywood from from us looking in like, oh, damn, he probably won't get a job again. How did you get any backlash for that in Hollywood? Look, man, I, if, if you if you don't have the integrity, the intestinal fortitude to stand up for what's right, for what you believe in, if what you're going to do is shrink every time people tell you they don't like what you have to say. Then you got a problem. I, I, you know, this this is this ain't the life for you. You know, I went directly to Good Lord Bird with Ethan Hawke, which is coming out now. You stand for the Lord. The Lord will stand for you. I went directly to L.A.'s finest, and you know, as soon as I got my release paperwork and supported my girl Gabrielle Union. Okay. This is not our show. This is definitely not our show. Damn! Uh, is it hot? Yeah. So, did it piss some people off? I guess. Do I care? <laughs> not particularly. Because I didn't lie. I didn't lie. I didn't do anything wrong. I did my job. If y'all mad at me because I did my job too well, well, that's your problem. That ain't that ain't my problem. If you don't like what I have to say about systemic racism, that ain't gonna make it go away whether you like it or don't like it. So for me, it was just simply more important to be outspoken about that and and to shine a light on that because I just don't want people coming behind me to have to deal with that. And that's a fight worth fighting. And I accept that fight and I'm still in it. And I'm not, I don't have to fight it with everybody. But I think the funniest part of it, particularly listening to naysayers, is that they act like, and my own cast member said this. Mm. My own black cast member said I played the race card, and huh. I, I had to laugh, <laughs> right? Because for me, it was like, how do I play the race card? How does that work? You think I had a bag over my head and gloves over my hand, and then one day I was like, ha ha, <laughs> I'm black. I bet you didn't know that. <laughs> You knew I was black when you hired me. You knew I was, you knew what you wanted me to do when you asked me to come play Mr. Nancy. Two white writers wrote, maybe not gets shit done. So what was there to be mad about? You approved the script. I don't have final say or cut or edit. So how on earth did I play a card when all I did was my job and other people's jobs and you paid all those people and sent them home and then demonized me for picking up not only just the slack on me, but the slack for your entire show. And I'm playing a race card, but I think it speaks volumes to how we get brainwashed and how often he just picked up some narrative he heard some white people say, and felt comfortable to say it because they were saying it so it had to be true and it never occurred to him 
that I was the one that saved his ass in season two and wrote his character when they didn't care enough to do it. So I was like, wow, all skin folk ain't kin folk. I understand that. But I also understand that that's youth. I'm not mad at him, but by the same token, I'm like, I'm not giving you a free pass to gaslight me because that wasn't what you were doing when I was showing up to set, rewriting scenes for you, when I was in the writer's room fighting for you, when people were saying you can't act and they don't want to give you more to do. I was the one saying, what are you talking about? He can't act. You cast him in the show, respect him and give him the opportunity to do his best work. Don't disrespect him. That was me fighting for you. And I wouldn't change that fight, even though he said what he said. But by the same token, it does it does hurt when you see your own people stab you when you ain't done nothing but try and uplift it. The law of reciprocation. Right? The law of reciprocation, right? The law of reciprocity. When someone does something good for you, then you in turn come back and do something good for them. I have seen this firsthand. I have seen people who wanted to be around Caucasians so much and the Caucasians had them in the back. And what they seem to only be working for is to be recognized. Please see me, please see me. So they could be put in once a person like me who believes in bringing someone up front and making them up front. You can interpret my lines, make it shine. All of a sudden, everything changed and things opened up. But a lot of this stuff doesn't come out. It doesn't do anything. And people are sitting in the same place. And we have the, still had the same vehicle that worked. It was signed, sealed, delivered, approved at in Warrensville, Cleveland, Ohio, right? And so I see this. So. I have four good actors that I, you know, I reach out to. I say, hey, man, come on and do this. I got this idea. Let's shoot this. But for the most part, the people are on something else because they don't value. You have been brainwashed. You have been bamboozled. You have been hoodwinked. You are not listening. The story of a Nancy, the story of wisdom not heeded. You will get nowhere. until you are with your people. That's what all the artists tell you. Jamie Foxx tells you. Denzel Washington tells you. People in different industry. In the end, even if they ventured on a thought that, oh, I'm going to be accepting this white life. One day, they find you attractive and worth being around. Then the next day, they don't. And you are out. And if you don't out. have your foundation with your people, you will be down and out. Down and out. So you have to ask yourself, you have to ask your people, you have to ask yourself, really, who are you? You have to ask yourself who you are, 
when you get this information. See, this we're moving off of because we told you everything that we could about the election. So we're not going to even mention the election anymore. We're just dropping information that you need to know as American black men and American black women. And we need to you need to ask yourself, who do you want to be? Do you want to be pickaninnies? Destroying those who are proactive for self-determination? Do you want to be topsy and bopsy and make life, as my sister said, topsy-turvy? Or do you want to be someone like Fanny Lou Hamer, who used her brilliance for the upliftment of American black people because she may not have known, or maybe she did know, but didn't have time to convey it to those of you who should have been doing your research about 1877. And she was in Mississippi. And Mississippi is the worst. They used to have this laugh barrel. This this person that used to come all over during the holiday time told my father about Mississippi and how if you had to laugh, they had these spit barrels that the Caucasians had in, on the streets as you walked on the sidewalks, right? And they said that if you had to laugh, and there was a white man around. You had to stick your head into the spit barrel, right? To not be able to decipher the difference between people, right? Just because someone white, well, we're not gonna go over that again. If you're not able to decipher the difference between different types of races, we talked about that, go back to the shows to see that then you will forever be lost and the people that are around you that are your people that count on you will forever be lost also. If you aren't able to speak up and speak out on issues, when are you ever going to be able to speak up and speak out on issues? It doesn't look like you're ever going to be able to do it, which means that you are not free. You are in freedom. Shows that you should watch to give you context, right? Fictional depictions, but are based on factual truths. The Good Lord Bird, Watchmen, Fargo Season 4, and Lovecraft Country. Lovecraft Country is not only dealing with the supernatural, but it's doing with the psychological. Mm -hmm. Topsy... Topsy and Bobsy are psychological. It is who you are as an American black person. Are you the one that is there to destroy or are you the one that is there to build? Do you believe that black people can do it with each other? Or do you feel that you always need the help? of the Caucasian and really doesn't want you to be anything but subservient and underneath. It's okay long as you're underneath, but don't try to get above. Bessie Smith said, 
The Southern white will work alongside you, but don't get bigger than him. The Northern white will say, oh, you can get as big as you want, but you can't be around me. You can't live around me. You see? So pick your poison, but figure out where you're coming from as a person. Pick out and figure out where you're coming from as a person, right? And deliver and act as such, right? Deliver and act as such. Oh, wow. I think they kicked us. Oh, wow. At the end of this, they kicked us. All right, people. So go ahead and finish up. I think they picked us up on the, they brought us back, but they put an error on Facebook. Okay. So go ahead. You've got uh, a few minutes and um, go ahead. Uh, we've got uh, seven minutes. Go ahead and finish up. You know, I want to uh, reflect back on a couple of things from the broadcast today. I'm really going to need for you guys, the one slide that Dee brought up with um talking about the Christian black codes of 1724, the Spanish Inquisition of 1478, uh, the treaty, uh, the Verona treaty of 1822. And it was the last thing of 1868. And I didn't get that. Um, but we need to go back over those uh, in detail for ourselves. We also need to recognize what Orlando Jones was talking about in his interview when he said how they were treating him, how they were playing him was peonage. And we got the definition of peonage, so go over that again. And um, I'm gonna speak just a little bit about industry. It doesn't matter which one, when we're talking about in, in the context of entertainment. So you have the sports industry, you have the music industry, you have the film industry, and you have all of the, there's other different kinds of industries, but in the context of entertainment, those of us who are gifted in certain areas, whether it's writing, uh, musically, uh, athletically, we have to understand that when we're approaching a situation like your athletes, they have their lawyers, they negotiate their contracts. But whatever it is you pulling in, no matter how big your dollar amount is, that industry that you're a part of is raking in 10 times more than that. So you're still being, you're, it's graduated slavery until you pull out of it and begin to do something for yourself. Now I'm a musician and a writer. Um, and I realized early on, this is a personal testimony. I realized early on that the industry and me wasn't going to work out. I realized that early on I went, I had one tour. It was my only one. Uh, that was not international. It was international. My first and only tour was international. And there were some things that took place on that tour, though not as severe as what other people may have experienced. It was enough for me to know and have insight enough to know for me to stay in this comfortably. It's going to require me to sacrifice my values and sacrifice who I am for that dollar. And so it did it feel good walking around with double digit thousands in my bra? Yes, it did. 
It did uh, feel good doing that. It did. However, I would not have felt as good had I had to chip away at the fabric of who I had been as a person who grew up in my family with the parents that I had. I would not have felt as good about that dollar that I was carrying around if I had to sacrifice my values, if I had to be a punk, had to uh, uh, be a punk, a whore, or whatever it was that was going to get me that favor in that industry. So I decided early on that that's not that wasn't going to be for me. And when a second opportunity presented itself, I passed on it. And I thought I regretted what I passed on for years until later on, I found out that was what was going on with that particular group. When my brother had shared it with me, just having seen a documentary, that particular group that I passed on going on tour on, I, I didn't know that at that precise time, there was a lot of drama going on in that camp. And undoubtedly, it would have filtered down to me in some type of way, being the only one of only female in the unit. You know, I'm, I'm a musician. I play keys, so I would have been one of the only females. But, you know, they try females out there, even though the female musician gets more respect than the female vocalist um, for some reason, because I guess we have a, a more valued skill. So they say I'm not saying that. That's what they say. But I decided that I was not going to go that route. So some would say, well, you know, you pass up on a lot of money. You pass, you could have, you could have did this and you could have did that. Yeah. But you know what? I feel wonderful about myself. I don't have no testimonies of having been raped. I don't have no testimonies of having to compromise with drugs. I don't have no, comp no stories about having been in contact with the boule. I don't have any stories about, um, uh, uh, um, having trains run on me. I don't have any type of those kinds of stories because I was not going to tolerate it. And I knew at my lack of toleration, it was going to incur me a black spot and I was going to be blackballed anyway because of how I am. The same way I am now is how I was then. And I was not going to compromise. So know that when you go into an industry, that industry does not belong to you. You are a commodity in that industry, no matter what level and how much money you're making, you're just a commodity. And I'm not saying that to make anybody feel bad, but I want you to know that you have to approach things with more of an upper hand in your negotiations. It's time to change the platform across the board in entertainment, anywhere where we lay our gifts and our intellectual property, should we should have the upper hand in the compensation. And that's all I'm saying. So people, we have brought another information field pack show, episode 31 of hashtag TFR podcast live observations by Crazy D with my special guest host, my sister Tanya M. Congress. Make sure that you pick up because they crunched us at one point, but I got it recorded, so we're gonna tack it together so we will have it in its full uh, finished capacity. You know, there was some information that they didn't want us to have out. But you have been listening to another great episode of hashtag TFR Podcast Live OB. Crazy with my sister, and we will see you tomorrow with another 
episode as I get the closing right. Is that it? Yes, it is. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow. You're talking about Germany. Why I made the curator's pick of the Hollywood French community. Unity, 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 heart, heart, heart.